When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business. Greetings of the day, my fellow listeners, and welcome to another edition of Building Better Businesses. I am your host, Steve Eschbach. I do a number of things, but I primarily am the owner of a uh, local franchise here in Chicagoland called Transworld Business Advisors. I'm one of uh, seven or eight business owners here locally, and what we primarily do is assist business owners confidentially sell and match them up with qualified buyers. I will also mention, too, that some of the businesses that I approach are not really looking to sell. They're looking to acquire businesses for purposes of expansion. Uh, the other things that we do is uh, we do franchise sales. So for executives or for, for that matter, anyone in transition or anyone wanting to uh, purchase a, uh, a franchise, we can assist you in that endeavor. And then the last thing we do is uh, franchise development. And what I mean by that is that if you are a business and you're looking to expand via the franchise model, we have got uh, a system in place where we can do that more cost effectively. And it's not just the documentation or the legal work, it's the marketing and getting set up and the hiring and the training, all of that involved in, in uh, setting up your own franchise if that's the way you want to go to expand your business. But as we always do, we have guests on our show that will tell us how they specialize in what they do and how they can enhance you, uh, build a better business. And I'm delighted to have Latanya Wilkins. Is here today. She is an accomplished business owner. She is the founder of the Change Coaches, and she partners with executives, upwardly mobile professionals, and teams to build cultures of belonging through highly customized coaching and consulting services. Now, there's more to that introduction that she's going to tell you about. So, Latanya, first of all, thank you so much for joining us today, and tell us a little bit about where you are today, what your business is. Yeah. How you others. You're an thank accomplished. Thank you for partner. having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate the short intro because I do a lot of keynotes and sometimes people read it verbatim. And so I, I really like it when there's a little bit more fluidity here. Uh, so yeah, so that's a little bit about what I do. I, I spend about 80% of my time coaching executive teams and uh, executives who, the, who are the only ones at work, executive teams to create a culture of belonging, executives who are the only ones at work to traditional executive coaching I also do some limited career coaching and I do a lot of workshops, a lot of keynotes. I'm also the author of the upcoming book, Leading Below the Surface, How to Build Real and Psychologically Safe Relationships with People Who Are Different From You. Uh, and that book will drop in October. And Amy Edmondson work, wrote my forward, so that's very exciting. So it's been a very, very 
that busy time, um, Amy Edmondson, if you don't know who she is, she coined the term psychological safety. So it was a very exciting move for me and, and exciting for me to, and an honor for me to have her endorse my book in that way. That is so good to hear. And, uh, you know, one of the things we're going to focus in on when we get to that part of our podcast here today is how building relationships and and you talk about it from an inner self. And you, I think you get into a deeper dive on relationship building and understanding that a little bit better. But we're going to talk more about that in a moment. As I do with all my guests, I am going to rewind the videotape. For those of us that remember what videotapes were, we're going to go back in time and talk to Latanya about her childhood and upbringing. So some of the questions I want to know about, where were you born and raised? Tell me about how your mom and dad had an influence on you. And then if there were any other family influence you had to develop you as a child to where you are today. Is that too complicated of a question for you? No, I have born and raised and then a little bit about my parents and, and the influence they had on me. And I think that's it. So and yeah, any other family and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So it's funny when you, when you said videotape, I thought about the VHS tape and just all my VHSs were torn up and the film was always, it was always an issue, especially those things are so old and are so hard to play. So I grew up in a town called Marshalltown, Iowa. It's a very small town, but it was about 20,000 when I was growing up and I lived across the street from a golf course. And so I spent all my formative years in the state, Iowa, which is very sometimes surprising to people. Uh, it's a surprising to me too. My father was worked in manufacturing and that's when you could, back then you could have blue collar jobs and be able to sustain a family. And my mother also did some manufacturing work. And so how I, was I raised, like again, state of Iowa, my dad, he didn't have a college degree, but he was the smartest man that I've ever met. He read a lot and he migrated from Mississippi and he read the paper a lot and he had a great sense of humor. And I, I think I get that from him. Also, one other thing I'll say about my dad, he's inspiration behind why I wrote this book. I mean, he created phenomenal relationships with people who are different from him and everybody knew him in the town. And it, like, if I'd go to like a convenience store, they're like, Hey, you're Claude's daughter. And, and, and so it was really, that was, that was a huge influence. My mother, she had heart disease her entire life. And so she's no longer here physically with me. And she just taught me how to make it through things. I mean, my mother was, she, she had a lot of resilience and she did a lot of things later in life that she wasn't afforded the opportunities to do because she was raising four children. And so my mother she taught me that. And, and if you really want to do something, you can. She finished her associate's degree when she was in, in her 50s. And so that that was something for my mom. The last is my grandma. My grandma, amazing, lived till 93. And she had two sisters that lived well into their 90s too. We just uh, lost the last one this year. And she was just an amazing woman. I mean, she's, when people tell me, that I'm a lot like her, I, I get really, I feel really honored and I feel really warm and fuzzy because again, she was also someone that migrated from the South and, and was phenomenal at bringing light to my life and light around to others and building relationships with people who are different from her. So everything you talked about um, in your upbringing really talks about solid relationships and how you look upon each other in terms of what your uh, contributions can be to 
personal development, which is critical, I think, for business success as well. But when you were growing up uh, academically, with all the influence you had from your family, were you thinking that you would be a consultant over time? Or were you thinking that, you know, I like math, I like science, I like, what were you thinking of in terms of your academic upbringing? And how did that evolve and change to where you are today? Yeah. So number one, I always knew I was going to go to college. I always knew that. I always knew I was going to be one of the first ones in my family to get a master's degree. And I knew because at a young age, I got a lot of good feedback around how I wrote everything. And so I I knew that was going to happen. The second thing I knew, and I think when I think about this, like people often asked me the first time I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. And I think when it was, I was a child. And again, the reason why I brought up the point that I lived across the street from a golf course is because I would collect golf balls and sell them. And my dad would help a lot, (laughs) but I would, I would sell these golf balls. And I was always that person that was trying to think about how to sustain myself through business. And so I always knew that that's what I was going to do when other kids were like, I'm going to be a doctor, I'm going to be a lawyer. You know, I was always thinking about, I was always fascinated um, with business and how fast it moved and the creativity involved in business and the innovation, innovation opportunities involved there. Yeah, clearly your innovative spirit developed young by just collecting balls and then repurposing them. So good for you. So did you ever have a corporate job in your career? Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> so that is my entire career. And so like a couple of years, three years ago, I spent a lot of time in corporate and, and there was a lot of there are a lot of good things, but there's also a lot of suffocation. And uh, again, that's another reason why I wrote that book, because it was, it inspired me to talk about this stuff as far as what those were. So I I started, most of my roles were corporate HR, leadership development and talent management when that was like a really big buzzword. But then I moved into leadership development. I also did a lot of management consulting and yeah, lots of corporate MBA. I have an MBA. I I did the MBA um, when I was trying to transition into corporate leadership roles. Good for you. So what got the entrepreneurial bug to explode out of you? Because you had that spirit <laughs> going, but you did corporate. And many, many business owners have done what we've done. We've had stays in the corporate executive role. I did that for close to 35, 40 years before I actually had my entrepreneurial bug explode. So what was the thing in your life? Mine was transition because every time I had a merger acquisition, I was involved. I was always the acquired company. So I was always showing the door out. What was the thing in your life that said, you know what, corporate's no longer for me. I got to go out on my own. What was that? Yeah. So I took a half step and then I took a full step. So let's talk about the half step. So what happened is I was working in this corporate role, leadership development, having a blast. And I loved the business. And then my boss left the company and then her boss left the company. And the person that was coming in was not going to let me be creative, had a plan, was going to bring her people in. I get it. It was a senior position in leadership development. Who doesn't want that job, right? right? So I started putting feelers out. And that was a point when I thought, you know, maybe I should try my try my own hand here. And then what happened is I ran into a coworker, former coworker from like five, 10 years ago. And he he and I had coffee and we talked about, you know, visioning, career visioning. 
and he told me about his role. And then he introduced me to the dean at the Geese College of Business. And I ended up talking to him and he was like, hey, when are you going to come work for us? So I went through the process. And as soon as I met him, he's like, when are you going to come work for us? So that was the half step. The half step was I went into an entirely different industry, entirely different look and feel. And I knew I wanted to spend some time with some smart people, some academics, because I, I thought, again, business school, top business school, lots of innovation there, lots going on there. So I was like, okay, this is going to be kind of my training ground to kind of, you know, transition ground to kind of go on my own. And then, you know, I was there, I'm still there a little bit. I, I do list a little bit of work there, mainly with the Dean and the head of DEI, but I um, was there for five years. During that five years, I, I completed my executive coaching certification, several of them, different types of things. I started my business on the side. They were very supportive. I mean, environments like that are, and then, yeah. And then I went on my own after that. And it's funny because when I entered this job, you wouldn't, you would not even believe how many people told me I was making a mistake. They were like, what are you doing going into higher ed? You know, you should go work for Google. And I'm like, why would I do that? Like, why would I want another big, I mean, I've already done that. I've already done the big names. I don't need to do it all over again. And so they were wrong. And I remember being stressed about that. Cause I was like, I don't know, maybe these people were right. Cause I remember one corporate, he was like a corporate big head and he wanted to hire, he was like, I want to hire you when you're done there as an HR executive. He's like, but don't stay there too long because otherwise people are going to think it's the wild west and I'm not going to be able to bring you in. And, you know, it's like a bunch of BS, right? It's a bunch of like what people think and people are afraid of risk. I mean, even when I told people at the college, they were like, are you crazy? Like this job, you like this job, don't you? And it's not even about that. It's like, you don't have to like, you don't have to hate something to leave it, right? It's like, you don't have to hate something to grow. Yeah. So I, I totally agree with you. I mean, there risk involves taking chances, taking chances. And I never use the word mistake or failure in my vernacular anymore. They are all some form of learning experience. And if you're not encountering learning experiences now, you should not be encountering the same learning experiences multiple times in a row. You should encounter a learning experience and then improve from there. I think that's kind of what you're saying there. Exactly. Yeah. So we have a number of questions here that's in your um, your podcast summary sheet. We're not going to be able to get to all of them, but some of them are quite fascinating here. And I want to go through some of them. So uh, the first one here, what does self-coaching mean and what does it mean that your book is written in this format? Tell us a little bit. Self-coaching is something that I haven't really talked about in this podcast series. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about what your interpretation of self-coaching is and how that can benefit uh, business owners. Yeah. So as you know, I have a journey in my small business and I started with doing individual coaching and then I moved into corporate coaching and I do a little bit of an individual, but not a lot. And I only do it if it's a referral and I really want to help. And usually when I do that, it's still kind of too expensive for the individual. So, and it's hard for me to, to give them a rate that's, that's affordable, especially if you're, you know, just getting started. And so that's when I started kind of self-coaching and that concept and talking about that. And the self-coaching, I've done that with clients where, you know, we might have, you know, a few sessions up front and then I ask them to self-coach themselves. And what does that mean? Well, we start off with, with their goals. We start, then we kind of go into, you know, I always have requests. So requests of how they're going to make their goals come to life. And those are taking actions towards the goal. 
And then a lot of this is reflection, right? Reflection on, you know, what went well, what didn't go well, what am I going to do next week? And, you know, what came up and asking yourself some structured questions. And I give those structured questions to them so they could do that weekly. The thing I found, Steve, is that people are terrible with routines, right? And, you know, as coaches, we talk about this. What we talk about is not rocket science. It's people being able to actually implement it. And it's really hard for them to do it. And so that's when I, that's what self-coaching is, is it's, again, the, the key ingredients are goals, action, reflection. So, so it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because one common term that comes up in this podcast series is accountability. But I think what you are saying is that you need to do a little bit more of that within, meaning mm-hmm. that, yeah, you can depend on others to help you be accountable. But I think what you're saying is that you have to take time to just do that on your own, just to make sure you're holding yourself accountable. Am I right about that? Yeah, because, you know, there's a big movement around accountability coaching. And I think it's fine. Again, there's, you probably know the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. So with intrinsic, that's what I'm, that's what I go more towards is like that bigger, that bigger stuff that's going to be meaningful long-term. The extrinsic is the accountability, like, oh, okay, well, the the dopamine fix, oh, I finished this in this time, or I'm going to finish, I have this list of goals and I have a bucket list. I mean, come on, that's fine, but that's transactional. To get the real healing inside and to get the real change inside, it's that intrinsic. And so that's, I said, a lot of reflection. And the reason my book is written in, in that format is because I have a lot of reflection sections in there where I'm pretty much coaching you um, in the book and you're coaching yourself. And again, it's it's the extent to how much you want to do it. But if you are interested in making the change, and I talk about this in chapter one, I'm like, let's go. Let's, are you interested in this? Are you going to change and talk about how hard it is to do it and understand and I validate that. And so those are all the things that's important when you're self-coaching. It's not just about having goals and checking them off the list. And there's so much of that. And it's, it's just, it's not helpful. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you there. There's another question here, Latanya, that I, I'm really interested in is that how do we truly create cultures of belonging in our workplace? And I can see that having many interpretations, belonging within yourself in your workplace, belonging with others in your workplace, belonging with external contacts that you have. I, I don't know where to go with that. You probably have a more exact meaning mm-hmm. on how do you create cultures of belonging in our workplace? So give me your concept of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I talk about this a lot. And today I'm going to give you even, even a closer tip because I mean, even more executable tip. I mean, because sometimes people are like a lot of people, I was in a clubhouse room yesterday and I was running one and people kept saying it starts at the top. It starts at the top. But when you say that, then everybody else thinks that they don't have a role in this. And we all do. We all have a role in this. And so, so start with your team. Okay. First is start with your team. Number two is, you know, use the prongs of below what I call below the surface leadership. And that's first it's real leadership. So are you a real leader, which is a reliable, equitable, aware, and loyal leader. And I'm, we could talk a little bit more about that. The second prong is empathy. So practicing empathetic listening, and there's different ways to listen. There's, you could listen as a person, like person to person, and you can also listen as an observer. And so those two things. And the third is creating psychologically safe relationships. And what I mean by psychological safety is, and this is lacking, like 
blatantly lacking so many places. I just did a manager training right before we got on. People even know what psychological safety was. These are managers. And it, it's so hard for people to, to conceptualize what this means. And what it means is that you can make mistakes and be authentic at work without any type of repercussions. And like I said, Amy Edmondson wrote my forward and she talks about, for example, surgeons. Like you have a senior surgeon and then you have junior surgeons. And can that junior surgeon say something without repercussions? And will people actually listen to that junior surgeon, right? That's what that is. It's, it's like those three-legged stools. And how do you create belonging? Well, that's the formula. It's really about starting with your team and practicing those three things. And it's like, you're probably thinking that's too simple. It's not simple. It's not. It's each one of those can take months, if not years to master. The ones that I see that people have a lot of problems executing on are, again, empathy and the empathetic listening and the psychological safety. And if you got those three things, the real leadership, empathetic leadership, psychological safety, you've achieved a culture of belonging. Yeah, I totally agree with you. You know, there's a quote out in the uh, in the world that I think many knows. It's from Steve Jobs. And he makes a statement or he made the statement when he was alive. He said, we don't hire smart people and tell them what to do. We hire smart people and have them tell us what to do. And I think what you're talking about is almost a 360. 360, as many leaders know, is review processes where you give a review down and they give a review up. But what I mean by this 360 process is that you as a leader always solicit the input of those that you work with because you want that engagement, that involvement. I think that's what you're saying. Is yeah, that right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You want that engagement, that involvement. Someone shared earlier that one of the companies that staff came from used to say, yeah, mistakes are part of the process. And if you don't make mistakes, then you're probably doing your job wrong. And they yeah. actually encourage it for innovation. And that's another way to, to create uh, psychological safety very quickly. Totally agree. Now, one of the topics you talk about is diversity and inclusion, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is becoming a hot topic today. But I haven't had one of my podcast guests really get into that. You have a number of questions here in your summary sheet, but how would you bring diversity, equity, and inclusion into what you do and how to help business owners embrace that, incorporate that, succeed with that? And I know that's very open yeah. and we don't have that much time for you to get into that. But what are the high level things in that area that you really see that business owners need to focus in on? Yeah. You know, and Steve, I hate DEI. I know this is probably crazy for me to say because a lot of companies and I've worked for these large companies that are doing it, but they're, it's a very programmatic approach. Again, I we talk a little bit about the intrinsic versus the extrinsic and I'm more about the intrinsic when I'm working with organizations and executive teams. And so again, what that looks like is like, again, the, the three-legged stool, right? Like the real leadership, the empathy and the psychological safety, like changing your approach to leadership. I think you achieve DEI outcomes through real, through real leadership and leading below the surface. I do. I mean, it's, it's something that's possible. But for some of you, I, I know that answer is not going to suit you. So I will give you a couple of quick tips. I know that the main thing that a lot of the companies I work with want to do is they want to hire more diversity, right? They want to they want to have a more diverse workplace, right? And that's the number one challenge that a lot of my clients deal with because a lot of them are tech companies, to be honest. And so everybody looks the same. And so to do that, again, I think it's it's important to 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 take those leading below the surface concepts and 
be a, as real as possible. But I mean, you could find ways to recruit people through again relationships. Like that's that's really where it happens. I, I know I'm I'm sorry for saying that because some of you probably don't want to hear that. But there's no easy quick fix. And I'm going to give you an example of one of my clients, tech company, and almost I would say 90% of their workplace is white and male because again tech. And they were at a quest to you know make their workplace a little bit more diverse within the next year or two. And so what they're doing is it's a long game, right? They're starting by developing an apprenticeship program because they know that they're not getting a lot of applicants that have the skill sets that they they want. And so they're bringing in people with less experience and molding them, right? I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing is, um, again, once the people are there, what are you doing? Third thing is, one of the things in the recruiting process that they realized is that they're recruiting from the same schools and they're recruiting from these prestigious schools, quote unquote, and all those schools only had white graduates, like 90%. And so just kind of diversifying that. So those are three easy ways, but again, we want to go for the long game, but if you're trying to go for the short game, it's really trying to build different types of relationships, maybe even starting an apprenticeship program. And also revisiting where are you getting people from now and why? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Well, unfortunately, Latanya, we're running out of time here. So in our question and answer session, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you really want our audience to take away of uh, uh, knowing more about Latanya and how you can help business owners? No, I mean, I think if, again, if you're, if you're looking for the long game, I'm your person, I'm a coach. And I, I think that, that that's helpful. And so, yeah, that's about it. You've, you've pretty much hit everything today. Good. I'm glad we did. And uh, last but not least, where can we go to find out more about you, your business and uh, you in general? Where do we go? Yeah, go to leadingbelowthesurface.com. Again, leadingbelowthesurface.com. And that's the uh, landing page for my book. And you can also find out more about me on that page. I'm also on LinkedIn as Latanya Wilkins. And I'm also on Instagram, very active at Latanya Coaching. You know, one comment I want to make before we do close this session is that you talked about your father was an avid reader, correct? Mm -hmm. And I have heard in the um, the chief executive officer of United Franchise Group, which is our parent company, he signed one of his books to me and he said, uh, readers are leaders. And yes. I make the point you is that your father, while he may not have had a college education, he was an avid reader and the newspaper he read too. So he definitely demonstrated a willing to be a leader himself. So uh, I can see where that shines in you. So thank you so thank much. Thank you. Yeah, thank thanks for sharing what you did. And audience, thank you very much for listening. And uh, LaTanya has a lot to offer. Go visit her site, see if there's more that she can do to help you out. And uh, thank you very much. We'll see you on the next edition of Building Better Businesses. Take care. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele 
which in turn will build you a better business.